From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., both President Trump and Vice President Mike Pence will make stops in Wisconsin this week after both visited within the last two weeks. Pence will be in Janesville today, while Trump will hold a rally Friday night in Mosinee. We've known that Wisconsin is an important state in the presidential race. Even so, it's unusual to get two visits from both the president and vice president in such a short period of time. What kind of message will Trump and Pence have for Wisconsin voters, and what issues will they be hitting hard? Well, with Pence, wouldn't be surprised to hear a repeat of what he had to say in Alaska on Labor Day, you know, talking about how great the economy was uh, pre-COVID-19, the steps they've taken to address the pandemic, uh, some digs at Democrats probably, and, you know, standard Trump stuff. Uh, With the president, you kind of never know where he's going to go with his speech and was going to focus on, but he has been uh, pushing a law and order theme lately, uh, warning about things that Democrats in his mind might do in terms of the election. So you got to kind of stay tuned for that one. But if history holds, it's going to be a little mixture of the teleprompter and some freewheeling comments that, um, you know, enrage Democrats and, and pump up his base. Also last week, the conservative-leaning Wisconsin Supreme Court issued a shocking directive. It ordered city clerks to temporarily suspend printing and mailing of absentee ballots until it rules on a lawsuit from Green Party presidential candidate Howie Hawkins. Hawkins and his running mate, Angela Walker, are trying to get on the Wisconsin ballot and have appealed their case after the Wisconsin Elections Commission ruled that a number of nomination signatures were invalid. The Supreme Court's ruling throws the Wisconsin election into flux, as clerks have to meet a deadline of this Thursday to mail out ballots to voters who have requested them. So what do you think will happen here? Do you think everything will be resolved by Thursday and ballot printing and mailing can proceed? You know, it's unclear. I never predict what a court is going to do. Um, one thing I thought was interesting to note is that the Green Party, as part of its uh, the stuff it submitted to the Supreme Court, included an affidavit from the Jefferson County clerk who said, so long as she knew by before noon on Friday, this past Friday, what was going on the ballot, she'd be okay meeting the deadlines to have ballots printed and off the municipal clerk so they could be mailed out. The court didn't issue a ruling before noon Friday, so it, if they are gonna, if the court is going to issue some changes, it could put some people behind schedule. Now, there are other clerks who said they were already facing a difficult situation because they've had thousands and thousands and thousands of ballots already printed. So if the court is going to act... Uh, then you're talking about requiring some major municipalities going back and reprinting a number of ballots. I mean, we're talking, you know, several hundred thousand in the cities of Milwaukee, Madison, uh, and Waukesha. So the counties of Milwaukee, Madison, and Waukesha, Dayton County and Waukesha would have to be reprinted if there's an order to add somebody else to the ballot. So it's kind of up in the air uh, what's going to happen with the court. Uh, the question to watch is, you know, how much of a crunch is this going to be if there is a change? And I say if there's a change, how much of a crunch, because the deadlines are laid out pretty clearly in state law and federal statute. By September 16th, the ballots are supposed to be printed and delivered to municipal clerks. September 17th, municipal clerks are supposed to put those in the mail for those who already have an absentee ballot request on file. September 19th, under federal law, absentee ballots can be mailed to military and overseas voters 
so they get them in time to return them for the election. So you're getting up against that deadline, and if there is going to be a change, it's going to be a, definitely be a crunch for these local governments to reprint them. And oh, by the way, there'd be a financial burden that they'd have to pick up to reprint those ballots. At the same time, a judge in Brown County ruled late Friday that rapper Kanye West will not make it onto the ballot. West challenged the Elections Commission's decision last month to keep him off, arguing he was only seconds late in turning in his nomination papers. So are you surprised by this ruling? No. I listened to a lot of this uh, hearing last week, in which the judge he made clear that, you know, common sense says five o'clock is five o'clock and not one second after. The time he said he would listen to the, you know, arguments about the law and, and dive into that. Why that's important is that, remember, Kanye West's campaign walked in the doors of the Building Housing Elections Commission shortly after 5 p.m., the day that those nomination papers were due. Um, the campaign kept arguing that that was basically when the papers were filed. That's not what the commission says. The commission says that the campaign walked in shortly after 5 o'clock, didn't get to the commission office on the third floor of that building until 5.01, and even then didn't have their papers together and took several more minutes after that for the papers were filed. So the commission argued that even if you accepted the, in their words, erroneous interpretation of state law that 5 o'clock, the deadline of not later than 5 o'clock actually meant when the clock struck 5.01, that West campaign was late. Now, West campaign... Um, tried to argue that 5 o'clock really meant 5.01, which didn't really go very far with either the Elections Commission or this Brown County judge. The, the, they also argued that they were impeded by several things, including the fact that the, the doors were locked, Elections Commission building. Uh, remember, that building is privately owned. It's not a government building. And the commission says that, yes, they were locked, but they had somebody stationed at the door at 4.55 p.m. So if they did show up, the West campaign, they can get them in right away. Either way, um, West is not going to be in the ballot unless that decision is appealed and overturned. Now we're getting in again this, this time crunch. If there is going to be an appeal, we are past the time and ballots have been printed. So how would an appeal possibly go with that? Um, also, it, noteworthy that the judge in issuing his decision late Friday night you know, pointed out that basically if the West campaign had showed up earlier, this has never been a problem. And that's one thing I heard from operatives from both sides of the aisle in recent weeks is that the fact that the campaign showed up so close to the deadline was basically malpractice. If they had just gotten there 10 minutes earlier, the doors being locked wouldn't have mattered. The having to number the pages wouldn't have mattered. But this is kind of a haphazard effort in a lot of ways because they didn't start gathering signatures until two days, a day before they were due. They basically gathered them over a two-day period, including the day they were due, and turned them in the last second. Turns out they were late. If they had just started earlier... If they had just gotten the office earlier, this would all been a mute point, and Kanye West would be on the ballot right now. Why do you think it's so urgent for these independent candidates to get on the Wisconsin ballot? Is there a potential for a spoiler? Well, I mean, it's clear that Kanye West is getting help from Republicans. Um, Republicans want Kanye West on the ballot. They think that um, his presence would hurt Joe Biden with African-American voters. Um, and talking to Democrats... They point out that Kanye West has basically espoused a lot of views in line with Donald Trump and the idea that a black entertainer being on the ballot would draw black votes away from Joe Biden, according to Democrats, shows you what Republicans think of black voters. Now, that's those are their words. Um, I, I don't know that Kanye West, honestly, if he were on the ballot, if, if he ends up in the ballot in the end, 
is going to be play a huge role. The Green Party, um, last time, uh, thirty-two thousand votes or something like that. I think it was the losing uh, winning margin for Donald Trump was less than twenty-three thousand. The thing about third-party candidates is this: um, a lot of their voters only are there to vote for them. It's not like they're Green Party people who, you know, uh, aren't they're, they're they're members of Green Party. They're there for a reason for the Green candidate. Much like Libertarians, uh, Libertarian Joe Jorgensen on the ballot. There are people who are libertarians, and they would only vote for libertarian candidate. But what we got to look at is four years ago in Wisconsin, about a little more than six percent of the vote went to third party and independent candidates, write-ins, etc., because people were unhappy with their choices. A question about this fall is: Would we see a similar dynamic? It looks like we're not going to see as high a number of ballots going to third party candidates right now. I mean, obviously, a there's no Green Party candidate as of right now on the ballot. There's no Kanye West in the ballot. There's only a Libertarian and a couple other uh, minor candidates out there. So we're not seeing the same kind of opportunity to vote for somebody else. But also the personalities are different. You know, Trump, Donald Trump is Donald Trump. People know him. They have an opinion about him. Joe Biden is not nearly as disliked as Hillary Clinton was. So in talking to operatives in recent weeks, the theory I've heard is that we're not going to see as big of a third-party vote come November as what we saw four years ago. Why that's important is because Donald Trump won Wisconsin with roughly 47% of the vote four years ago. It's going to take more like 49% to get there for either candidate. So just something to keep in mind that, um, yeah, there's a lot of effort to put these people on the, the ballot. Yes, they could play a role where they would draw some votes away. Don't forget Libertarians and Greens, they have you know, a base in Wisconsin who are only there to vote for those two candidates. But if you don't have those on the ballot, you know, maybe you're a Green Green Party voter who says, you know, I don't have a, an option. I don't feel like writing somebody in. I'm going to go ahead and vote for candidate X. That's possible. Um, there's be a different dynamic, though, than 2016. I just, I just don't sense as big of a push for third-party candidates in terms of people saying, I don't like either candidate. I'm going to do this as what we saw four years ago. And finally, Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss last week appointed Democratic State Representative Sheila Stubbs of Madison to co-chair the Task Force on Racial Disparities and Police Policies. She'll join Republican Assembly Majority Leader Jim Steinecke as co-chair. Stubbs has been one of Voss's most outspoken critics in the legislature. Why do you think he put her on the task force? Uh, it, it puts a black voice on the task force. She's always been pretty vocal about some of the issues that she believes need to be addressed. She's worked on legislation before, so a number of things like that. What's going to be interesting to watch that task force is what the membership looks like when it's all said and done, and once it gets get its work done. Uh, during a news conference last week, Jim Steinecke, the Assembly Majority Leader, who's also co-chairing the task force, said that the body will seek to meet end of September, early October, meet every two, three weeks after that. But he wasn't expecting anything to be done until sometime next year. So what's that package going to look like? And when's it actually get to the floor? Wouldn't hold my breath about anything happening this year. But can they reach some kind of consensus that gets through both houses and the governor's desk sometime in the next session? What kind of recommendations do you think we'll see from the task force? Well, you know, look, we've already got uh, nine bills from the governor. Uh, we have GOP State Senator Van Wangard who put together a package of his own. The task force is going to have its own discussion. So you can kind of see a roadmap about some of the issues that they want to talk about. Just a matter of, can you get consensus on things? 
So remember, you know, Governor Evers, his package, it sought a ban on chokeholds, period. Van Wongard's package uh, would sell out chokeholds if a police officer, if I believe this correctly, if the officer is um, trying to save save his or her life or something like that or, you know, in, in some imminent danger. So there's a difference there. I mean, it's it's subtle, but there's there are differences like that. Can they bridge those gaps and reach some kind of consensus? That's kind of what's unclear right now. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.